How's it going, everybody? We're here with the 54th episode of Fear Frequency, and for the new listeners out there, it's a weekly horror podcast where two best friends round up the latest horror news and review a movie or two. I'm your host, Jimmy Champagne. And I'm George Fazard. If you're a new listener, we would super appreciate it. Or if you're a current listener and you haven't done this yet, we'd really like really appreciate it if you gave us a five-star review over on iTunes. Yeah, and remember, you can always email us at fearfrequencypodcast at gmail.com, and we'll read your message on the show. There's a nice pregnant pause there. I think yes. I'm going to leave it in. <laughs> it's uh, poignant. It's got, it has a little bit of dignity. So, this week we're coming at you live from Wallachia. That's the place in Castlevania, the show. And we have some news on Child's Play, and in segment two, we're reviewing Castlevania season two. Uh, But we took last week off, in case you guys didn't notice, mainly because on Monday, George, you fell asleep. Yes. I'm going to shame you. You fell asleep. (laughs) And then you you woke up at like two in the morning your time. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, I passed out. So we didn't record on Monday. And then we were like, on Tuesday, that was like my Friday. And we were like, no one's going to listen on Thanksgiving weekend, which happened last year. So we decided to take the week off. Uh, So we're back this week. We got a ton of news to talk about. And I do think it was smart to take the week off because we didn't have that much news last week. And there's not that much news this week. But now we've created a big news week by waiting a week. Now it's a monster document. Yeah, but anyways, I'm getting that alert from Dr. Samuel Samuel Loomis. He's dying again, so we have a Halloween alert. Uh, So this one is, I think we kind of already knew this, but it's just kind of like a confirmation. Uh, So there was an early draft of the Halloween script that ended with Michael Myers killing Lori. Uh, and so I guess Brad from Bloody Disgusting read this version of the script where in May of 2017, Karen Strode... Lori's daughter was named Jamie and basically Michael stab stabs Lori with like a fatal blow in the stomach and she dies and Michael ends up walking out into the woods after getting shot a bunch of times by Lori's daughter uh, I think this was the original ending that got changed so that's what I'm gathering tested poorly on uh, it sounds initially. similar yeah it sounds kind of similar because I, I remember there was like a whole thing about Michael getting shot with a crossbow by Karen and all this stuff and Lori getting stabbed fatally in the stomach. So it all sounds very similar. And I'm glad they changed it. I'm really glad like Lori didn't go out like that after all that build up. Uh, as cool as it would have been to see, you know, the crossbow shot. <laughs> I mean, who's to say they can't have a crossbow in the in the sequel? Right. And you can see the crossbow when uh, Lori's passing out guns in the basement of her house, mm-hmm. when she like lifts up that lift gate, and you can see all the guns lined up. You can see the crossbow there, and it, it does look like the crossbow is featured in the shot. You know, like the shot is dressed in a way that accentuates the crossbow. <laughs> so both times I saw the movie, I was like, huh, like that m- must have been for something. Right, like something's going to happen yeah. with that crossbow. <laughs> and you know what? It also explains why. Remember that shot I found of Karen's gun without the KS and the lightning bolt etched into it? Mm-hmm. So what I'm thinking is after they changed the ending, they digitally added that lightning bolt and the KS and that whole little vignette of her shooting that gun when she was a kid and all that because they needed a connection with that gun after not including the crossbow, you know? That makes sense. Like, 
I get that. That's probably right. But um, regardless, I would have loved to have this as a deleted scene on the Blu-ray, but it's not. The deleted scenes are all terrible. It's like <laughs> just extended scenes of like Allison and her friends in school. There's an extended scene of the cops talking about Bon Me. It's it's all just garbage. It's just really bad. Really, the the whole Blu-ray collect like features, the extras the special on the features on it, yeah. Really disappointing. There's no director's commentary, and someone responded to me. They're like, "What if they didn't have time to do it?" It's like the release time is completely arbitrary. You know, like Universal set it. So David Gordon Green was like, "I can't do it before this date." What's stopping Universal from not putting it out three months later? Like three months <laughs> is an extremely quick turnaround. Yeah, um, that does seem like I was surprised that it was coming out in January for the Blu-ray release. I, I know movies have a pretty quick, like, uh, theater to DVD release schedule now, but you'd think that like they could wait a little bit. January it doesn't have to come out the right. first month of the year. Like release it in March, <laughs> you know? Like yeah, take your time. Like who cares? Uh, I mean, I maybe saw the movie multiple times in theaters. I can wait. Right. I mean, maybe they'll have a more special features packed one collector's edition later that has some of these features that we've come to expect, like a director's commentary track, which is not. That I really hope <laughs> that there's a, a collector's <laughs> version. Yeah. It's just it's stupid. It's annoying. And that's more on Universal's part than Blumhouse's, I think, because Blumhouse is just a production company, and they do have more of a vested interest in this franchise and movie than they do other franchises. It's kind of like similar to the Unbreakable franchise to them now, but still, Universal really dropped the ball there. You know what else is weird? Universal showed the trailer for Happy Death Day to you before Halloween, right? but they still haven't released it online. Yeah, you know... That is really strange. <laughs> because That's another weird Blumhouse thing. Yeah, because we didn't get the trailer for Halloween from Comic-Con m- till months later. I don't right, think we actually got... Right, and Unfriended showed at uh, Fantastic Fest, and they never released that trailer until the week the movie came out. Yeah. they. I don't know who's in charge of the trailer release schedule, but it seems like a weird selection of when to it drop these se- things for the the public audience <laughs> it doesn't seem like a lot of consideration goes into like how that makes fans feel you know no it's just stupid like the halloween thing that was the most frustrating thing about the whole lead up to that movie it was waiting for they were being unnecessarily coy about the trailers like people were asking all they had to say was hey we're releasing the trailer within this window like even a month you know instead of just playing the hints and like all that dumb bullshit that we had to go through just they showed the trailer at comic-con then they were like oh it might is it was footage from the movie it wasn't necessarily a trailer and then the trailer comes out and it's identical to what they showed at comic you know like yeah it was just dumb yeah they're definitely I, I hate play, playing around with uh the fans a bit with that and it looks like they're doing the same thing with like you said uh happy death day to you so i don't know what the the overarching and a plan good trailer. is that trailer was good. Like, yeah. I don't understand. I don't get it. It's weird. But another movie that's doing a similar thing, that's it for the Halloween update. I guess we have enough news on this movie to start doing a Chucky update since we <laughs> consistently keep talking about it. Uh, there was an update before Thanksgiving 
when it was revealed John Squares have you read the articles he's been writing about this movie uh not in depth but I've I've seen like the headlines for these so like the actual meat of his articles you can feel his disdain for this <laughs> remake but he reached out to MGM and asked uh, what the doll is going to be named and they said yep it's going to be called Chucky and since then uh, we've learned Brad Dourif is not voicing him so it's just dumb they made a website an official website that's like th- this all ties together I see you put that on here so they put up a website this week for the buddy doll which is what the doll is called and I saw people saying like oh the doll's name is going to be buddy and it's like, no that's that's the toy. The toy is called a buddy, and then you name it. So assuming a, a lot here, what I think is going to be happening is this is going to be like a killer Alexa doll based on what the website says. You're going to be able to name it, and it's going to it's going to be your best friend. They keep going with this theme of the doll being your child's best friend, and then one, this doll though is going to be hacked, so it's prime directive or whatever of being Andy's best friend will mean like, oh, I'll kill his friends. Or, oh, I'll kill his mom for not letting him play with me, you know? Yeah. I can see that, but I don't like that. <laughs> I don't either. It's I don't so predictable. That's... Yeah. They're, they're giving away way too much, like with that website. And I just, like, this is kind of nitpicky, but the art on the website is, it's all hand-drawn, but it looks like shit. Like, it, look, it all looks like rough drafts. Like, they want to make it look like it's this Apple product type deal, like, because you can go to the Caslin Corp website and all mm-hmm. that shit. But it's just, like, it's so whack, dude. Like, the whole thing is just thrown together. There's just no care put into any of this. They're being super ignorant of how people feel about this movie. They're just pretending, like, their backlash is not a factor. And also, they're releasing it on the same day as Toy Story 4. I, I think we talked about that. But, like, it's just, <laughs> just, it's a comedy of errors. It's just dumb. It's just stupid at this point. I think people are still going to see it, and I don't know if they just know that there's a following of people that are going to see it regardless just because it's a remake of a slasher icon, so they can kind of half-ass certain things like the graphics on the website and kind of being coy about if they're going to name him Chucky or not. and (laughs) Like... I, I it think feels they like just... they're 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 on purpose not revealing stuff because they're like controlling the backlash. Like they're like we can't reveal too much of this movie at once because we don't want to give people too many things to be pissed off at in one day. <laughs> right. They they kind of throw it in little chunks and let the sharks fight over it, the chum in the water, and then they release the next thing like yeah, a month or two yeah. later. <laughs> but you know a trailer's coming soon, right? Like, it's got to be, like, right around the corner. Oh, corners. it has to be. Especially it's with been all this... three weeks now of e- something happening every week. Right. And, I mean, even if the design isn't the best, the fact that they put together all these websites and put the time into making all this means that they're going to have at least some money behind a pretty extensive marketing push. So I think we're going to see a trailer pretty soon, probably before the year's up. I just, I don't care, dude. <laughs> I just, like, <laughs> I don't understand. I just don't get it. I I said this in our Discord today. I was like, I wish there was any other big horror franchise we could be excited about I next know. year. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> I am excited, but it's just because it's something to kind of look forward to. Not necessarily because I think it'll be good. 
right and obviously we have stuff to talk about and you don't necessarily know where it's going but i feel I think like i know exactly where it's going <laughs> like here i can i can spell out this entire movie ready so yeah. we already know it starts out with like this dark and stormy night in a chinese factory and a guy hacks this doll and then he goes and jumps off the roof of the building the doll right. There's a montage, an opening montage of the doll getting packaged up, sent to a store. Aubrey Plaza walks into the store around Christmas, buys the doll, brings it home to her kid. Her kid loves it. It's his new buddy. He calls it Chucky. They're best friends. As the movie goes on, weird shit keeps happening. The doll starts speaking when it's not spoken to. It starts moving around autonomously. Uh, It gets agitated when the kid's friends are around. It gets mad when the mom tells the kid to do homework. Or, you know, stop playing with his doll. And then that hacking kicks in and it starts killing people. And maybe the whole reason the factory worker, this will be revealed later in the movie, the whole reason the factory worker hacked the doll in the first place is because this Kaslin guy who runs this corporation that made the toy is overworking this Chinese factory to get enough of these toys made to ship out on the holidays. And so that's his revenge. And that's it. Then, you know, they kill the doll. But... Uh, you know, it upload. It connects to Wi-Fi, as we learned from the website. So right. it uploads its consciousness to the web, the server, the cloud. Hacks all the Chucky dolls. So there could be sequels. Right. I, I think there might even be a tie-in with the Foxconn <laughs> worker who is oh. building the doll is upset because his kid died for some reason related to the company. And oh. Then to like get revenge. He makes this one killer doll to like ruin the reputation and take down the company. Yeah, that's. I mean, yeah, that sounds logical as well. It's just like <laughs> everything about it's so predictable. And something that we're losing with this that I really liked in the original Child's Play is, you know how the serial killer Charles Lee Ray he transfers his soul into the doll, mm-hmm. and but the longer he stays in the doll, the more human the doll becomes. So, like, remember it would have gore, like it would have blood and like the skin right, would like become more skinny. Right, like if you cut skinny. the doll's arm off, there'd be muscle tissue and bone. Right. And... So there's actual stakes for him as the, he's like an anti-hero technically, like he's the main character of that movie. And he yeah, is definitely. defeated at the end, I guess, because he doesn't get out of the doll's body and they kill the doll. But like, <laughs> just by having it be this little robot, you lose that. You lose yeah, it you as a character. you lose that element of it. It's not... You're never going to be... Have a huge personality in the doll. You're not going to root for it or see a point of view or really understand the motivations of it. It's just going to be a killer doll for the sake of being a killer doll. Yeah. So, I'm going to do a video on the website, though, tonight, I think. <laughs> just because... I'm, I'm not, like, feigning interest on YouTube. I am being honest, you know? I'm just kind of, right. like, being myself about it, and people seem to like it, so whatever. Yeah, I know I mean... um, Wolfman's Got Nards is, like, super into this movie, and there's this new guy on the scene. His name's 3C Films. Mm-hmm. He's, like, the guy on this movie. He, he's been pulling some major views. He's, like... He's doing very the truck obje- dates. Yeah, he's, like, objective about it, though. Like, I, he doesn't really show excitement one way or the, one way or the other. He just presents all the yeah. Stories but he's been doing a good job, out. I think. Um, I'm I'm excited for our friend uh, something ghoulish's December video, since he's got a monthly video for the next year apparently, which is crazy. Yeah, and uh, I think 
this might be old news, but I think he passed 100 subscribers recently. I think he's up to like 250, 250 almost 300 now. Something like that. Yeah. But so, that's definitely some quality content. Yeah. That's, that's, there's a lot of good YouTube stuff out there right now, which is cool. Uh, so next up on here, Hulu ordered a pilot episode of Sweet Tooth, which is a comic series adaptation directed by Jim Mickle. Do you know what this is? No. Like, are you familiar with Sweet Tooth? Um, I know people like it. I forget why I added it. I think I know. I know what Stakeland is. I've seen that. That's a pretty good movie. Um, oh, the art for Sweet Tooth is awesome. It's like the kid from. It's like a kid in like a flannel with deer antlers. Yeah, it's like the Fall Out Boy music video. Oh yeah, that's that's a good reference. It's a coming-of-age fable of Gus, a boy-deer hybrid who leaves home to find the world ravaged by cataclysmic events. He joins a ragtag family of hybrids and humans searching to find answers behind the event, ultimately discovering a vast conspiracy that forces him to question his very existence. That sounds cool. Yeah, I've got into that. Like... Oh. Yeah, this is weird. (laughs) I don't know. It seems like an interesting story. Like, you could see that kind of, like, Gus meeting up with different human hybrids with animals being, you know, an interesting addition and making a cool, diverse cast of characters. Yeah. That is weird. Huh. (laughs) I don't know. I'm into it. You know what? Actually, I'm not into it. I don't really like TV anymore. I decided. (laughs) <laughs> Did I tell you this? Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. There's just too much. I got overwhelmed. Like, there's just too much of it. It's like you feel like you're missing out on one show when you're watching another. Uh, it's just too much. Just yeah, too much it, content. In uh, October, I was juggling Castlevania and Daredevil Season 3. I was able to finish both of them, but... Uh, I want to watch Daredevil. I want to watch The Haunting on Hill House. I want to watch Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. I want to watch fucking the Buster Scruggs movie from the Coen Brothers. So out of all those things, I'm going to watch the Coen Brothers new movie because it's obviously. two and a half hours long. Yeah. I I don't I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> I, it's like I'm just like numb to it now. It, it, I I understand that it's all good stuff. Like it's all they're all good shows, but if they're all good. They're all 12 hours. There's just too much. (laughs) Right. And I don't really know the track record on Hulu's original series. Um, I know a lot of people like The Handmaid's Tale. I fell right off of Into the Dark. Into the Dark. That's that Blumhouse one where I was like, the the monthly ones. They're going to do a movie every month, but they're all just like long TV episodes. Yeah, but that's like manageable. Because it's yeah. not a whole season of TV. You got something to watch once a month. and Right. I just didn't think the first one was that incredible. I also... I want to watch Westworld Season 2. Because I liked Westworld. I also... I am going to watch True Detective Season 3. For sure. Because that's the same team from the first season. There's just... Yeah. There's so much stuff to watch. <laughs> it, it is definitely a lot a lot of content. I mean, Castlevania this... was manageable because it's like two hours. <laughs> Right. Uh, it's definitely, when you have a shorter form TV show like that, where it's 30 minutes instead of an hour, it's pretty nice. <laughs> I like shows that I can put on my iPad while I'm playing games. Right. 
those are the that's what I like. And you don't think uh, Sweet Tooth is gonna be one of those? No, I think I'm gonna watch <laughs> Sweet Tooth. I can't tell if it's gonna be live action. I probably won't watch it just because, like, I don't want to watch a show about a kid with deer antlers. I don't like that pairing. I think it might be like it's disturbing Hulu's version of uh, Sabrina or Riverdale. I think yeah. it's gonna be live action comic adaptation. There's something like deeply unsettling and <laughs> to me about a child with deer antlers. Like, is he gonna have fur? Maybe. Maybe that'll be part of his like adolescent struggles. It's disgusting. <laughs> Why would they? You think he has to do that thing that deers do, where they rub off the like skin that grows on their antlers? I mean, probably. That's that's pretty gross. Why are they making this? <laughs> I mean, maybe I haven't really heard of this series. I, I know you're more into the like comic book realm than I am, but like, have you heard of Sweet Tooth? Have you heard of this at all? No. Talking about it, I realized that i was thinking of lock and key the entire time we were talking about it <laughs> oh okay and then and then i read the news story about it and it was like oh it's a deer kid i was like yeah i was just totally thinking of the wrong thing <laughs> so i've never heard of this i've come full circle i like thought i'd heard of it started to doubt myself realized i've never heard of it well there but, you go S- sweet tooth adaptation coming to hulu yeah Eventually. <laughs> Eventually. No, re- no release date on that bad boy. Um, so next up on here, <laughs> Leprechaun Returns trailer dropped. Did you watch it? Yeah. I, it's, like, it's, it's okay. <laughs> I mean, it's like basically what I'd expect from a Leprechaun movie. I mean, no People leprechaun are really movie. hung up on uh, Warwick Davis not playing the Leprechaun. But he this Leprechaun like looked like the other one to me. Yeah, I mean, I there's so I much... I don't really see a difference. There's so much prosthetics and... Yeah. The prosthetics look costume. good, It's not really dependent on the actor really being the same. I mean, Warwick Davis did a good job. He made, what, like, five sequels or something? So yeah. I get, like, why people who are attached <laughs> to the Leprechaun series, which I don't understand, number one, but I understand why they would want him to come back and reprise the role. <laughs> right. I don't think there was ever going to be the budget to bring him back, though. Like, he's a Star Wars actor, you know? Like, he can right. demand a budget, like a big paycheck. Right. We have this movie. I haven't watched it yet. I think we're going to talk about it next week. But um, I heard it's pretty bad from people who have watched it. I mean, like I said, I don't think any entry in the Leprechaun series is that particularly great. So I don't I'm even think the in, first one is that good. Like I'm going with very low expectations, <laughs> so maybe I'll maybe I'll be surprised with it. Yeah. So I mean, this is if this is you know what's weird about this movie? Sci-Fi made it. They're releasing it on VOD platforms in December, but they're not showing it on Sci-Fi Channel until like February. It seems weird. You think maybe there's like a distribution <laughs> issue or something? I, I don't know. I like, don't understand. Comcast and the other VOD places were like, we want it here first before it's on TV. Something's going on here. That I don't really know what. Weird, though. Because you think you just keep it for your own TV <laughs> show, your own TV channel then, and release it yourself. Right. It's right. weird. People seem to be excited for it. I, I don't know. Again, there's... 
out of all the franchises to bring back, the <laughs> Leprechaun really begging for it. Like, well, now's the time to do it though, because like Halloween's <laughs> yeah, huge. Yeah, that's true. That's anyone's true. <laughs> looking for any callback to any old like horror franchise. So if you're gonna <laughs> right. release a Leprechaun remake sequel, whatever it is, now they brought is back really, one character. I mean, now is like. <laughs> The perfect time. Strike while the iron's hot. Make your <laughs> five bucks and get out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. And also, it takes place, I guess, in the same house as the original. I don't know. I can't. <laughs> I can't do this. I, just, I can't. I can't talk about this. You can't movie get anymore. excited for Leprechaun. No. Hopefully, like when I watch it, I can like find something, <laughs> some kernel of quality to hang on to. But I just watched the trailer and I was like, uh, okay. Yeah, that was there was that. Yep, I'm sure. I was like, yeah, that sure is a leprechaun movie. Yeah. <laughs> so next up on here is some actually exciting news. Blumhouse and Amazon have partnered for eight original genre films with a thematic connection, which it does sound familiar to Into the Dark. I will say, but Into the Dark was announced to be a TV thing from the very beginning, and mm-hmm. Blumhouse is like, you know, they're they're. They're making real movies this time around, not like a TV show. They're doing, oh, nope, you know what? Reading the article, they're partnering with Blumhouse Television. So, ah, I don't know. You know, I'm really soured on that idea now <laughs> after. um, it. So, I mean, if they're doing this and both, like, let's say even Into the Dark gets a second season and they right. do 12 of those. So that means that between this and that, they're doing 20 television movies in the next year. Yeah. That is insane. (laughs) Over two different distribution networks. Right, and it's weird to me that they're like, well, our Hulu show isn't working out. Let's do the exact same thing on Amazon? Yeah, I mean, it sounds extremely (laughs) similar. It's... Amazon Studios has closed an exclusive production deal with Blumhouse Television for a series of eight thriller-slash-darkly-themed feature-length productions. They'll be released direct-to-service from Amazon Prime Video, and the site notes that there's some sort of thematic link that connects the films together. That sounds exactly like Into the Dark, the thematic link being the holidays, being the theme of those movies. The only way that it could be kind of cool would be... So they're feature-length movies, so they're an hour and a half, roughly. If yeah. they somehow made them some kind of anthology where maybe characters are shared between the movies or something, or okay. exist in the same town, something like that. So like an anthology series, but instead of... like You're thinking like Channel Zero that comes out monthly, but they're hour and a half episodes? Something like that, yeah. Okay. I could be down for that. It's just I don't get where they're I don't get what their angle is. Like they're like, "Hey, we fucked this up on Hulu. Let's do it again on it." You know, like wh- it, it definitely feels really weird to do this extremely similar setup on a different distribution network almost immediately after like bef- I think the second Into the Dark episode came out, but it's not the the third one's coming out soon. So yeah, the second one's out. Right. So it's like before that even really has any legs you turn around and say yep we're doing the exact same thing with amazon but with a couple fewer episodes and they're a little bit longer right it just seems like a weird marketing strategy i guess you could call it or i don't know i i don't really get the 
where where they're coming from or what the goal is with this. It's just it's strange. Very it's just strange. A strange, deeply strange to me, and again unsettling. It's very unsettling. <laughs> just there's something going on. I don't know what, but there's something going on with Blumhouse, with Leprechaun, and Child's Play. It's just and I don't a dark like cloud. It. I don't like it at all. <laughs> so next up. A24 and Apple are joining forces. So A24 and Apple have entered an agreement that will see the film studio produce multiple features for Apple over the course of several years. So Apple has been a long time working on a streaming... Like, they're just making shows. Like, I guess they made the Carpool Karaoke show. They're Mm -hmm. doing amazing stories from Steven Spielberg. And now they're doing some A24 stuff. The catch here is that Apple will not allow any drugs, sex, or violence in any of its content that it's producing on its own so what the fuck is a24 gonna do right because most of their movies feature a lot of adult content (laughs) yeah there's like a titty or two right and that's kind of why they're universally praised because they don't really shy away from things and they're not afraid they're like the witcher of movies right like they're this small studio that kind of produces these like deep pictures and does it like pretty consistently without shying away and putting everything that they want in there and like so I don't really get the partnership I understand why Apple would want them pairing with them to possibly launch some kind of streaming service yeah like what is it where is this gonna live like I guess they'll just be released on (laughs) iTunes isn't that weird it's it's really strange. It's it's continuing this dark cloud of news. Where there's just something weird going on. Like what? it just seems like Apple's like make something. Here's I mean, some rules. I get that they're a studio that you'd want to pair with. I don't get yeah, why yeah, yeah. you would handcuff them though and say make content for us under these bad stipulations. Like. <laughs> iTunes has adult content. It has R-rated movies. It has probably every other. I, I just watched movie. one. I I don't get why. Like you can have mature content. Every major TV show that does extremely well, it's talked about in the zeitgeist, is like at least TVMA, or it's on a premium channel where they can show a lot more. Where it's basically an R-rated movie every week. It just seems weird to neuter this. Because I don't even think kids would be a demographic of any A24 movie. Yeah, and are these going to be, like, into the dark A24 movies? Are they going to be made on a TV budget? There's some details we need that we don't have here. I mean, it says multiple features over the course of several years. It's just, it's too much. (laughs) It's just too much. I don't have time to watch eight more Blumhouse movies and... (laughs) And, and I get where more. A24 is coming from, where I'm sure Apple's writing a huge check. And, like, you don't really want to pass that up. So you want to, like, you know, partner up with them. But it just seems like I'm, I don't know what kind of content this is going to produce. Yeah, A24 is selling a candle for $58 on their website right now. So they're doing okay. <laughs> uh,. <laughs> You put on here, Arl Stein assures us that multiple Fear Street movies are still currently in the works at Fox. So over a year ago, Bloody Disgusting says they learned that 20th Century Fox was developing a trilogy of films based on Fear Street. Uh, Lee Janank, 
Lee Janake, Lee Janiak. She was hired to write and direct three different scripts that were potentially going to be shot back to back to back. Reportedly, those movies would be released close together. And Stein confirmed that, yes, they're very much still in the works. He said, every day people ask me if there will ever be movies based on the Fear Street books. The answer is yes. Three Fear Street movies are in the works at Fox. So, I mean, are you excited about this? I mean, I haven't read any of the Fear Street books, but... I, I mean, I, I'd like to see R.L. Stein continue to make stuff. Like, I think it's cool yeah. that he still has work that is ready to be adapted. It feels like, well, everyone else is making all of Stephen King's entire <laughs> library into uh, uh, his entire bibliography into a movie. I guess we'll do the, the other one, R.L. Stein. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the kid, uh, Stephen King. We'll do some stuff for him. And I don't know. Like, I think... They could be kind of cool movies. I don't know what the pedigree is of people who are working on them other than yeah. Earl Stein writing the books, but um, I, I think it could be a, kind of a cool series. I'd, I'd go see a Fear Street movie. Yeah, why not? At least it's a movie and not a show. Right. If it was like Netflix has bought the Fear Street series and they're going to do a, a season for every novel... No, no, no. Then that that would be troubling, but that's too much. (laughs) That's too much. I I could, I could see myself falls into the strange category. (laughs) That's back in the strange. This I can see being released in theaters. I don't know. I think the Fear Street books are supposed to be like a little bit more adult. They're not like right, or or are they? Uh, Yeah, they are. I've read one. Being real, I've read one. They, they are definitely, they're more like teen, young adult oriented. They're not much longer than a Goosebumps book, but they definitely feature goyer themes. He definitely like really likes to punish girls for making out with dudes <laughs> in them. It's like a running theme that, I don't know, it's weird. They're, they're good though. I don't think there's any problem with them. I mean, this could be his like Hunger Games or Divergent or whatever. If they're like yeah. a young adult book series, but for horror. And I think that's cool. Yeah, me too. There's a new one coming out this year we talked about. It might have come out. I don't know. I feel like Arl Stein doesn't have a lot of good marketing <laughs> on his stuff. Yeah, you just kind of have to follow him, and he'll say something every now and then. Yeah. So uh, this is really exciting to me, actually, though. So Happy Death Day director is making an adaptation of Grady Hendrix's My Best Friend's Exorcism. Uh, I definitely have mentioned this book on the show before, but I read it on a flight, and it's if you haven't read it, I'm sure a lot of you probably have. It's basically the quintessential like 80s exorcism book. And it's set in 1988. It follows the relationship of two best friends, Abby and Gretchen. And they go skinny dipping. And that evening goes disastrously wrong. Gretchen, she starts acting like a huge bitch. Uh, Abby slowly starts to think she's been possessed. And you learn pretty, on, pretty early on that she's right. She's uh, possessed by a demon. And yeah. their friendship... Uh, they persevere over the demon maybe maybe not so they're turning this into a movie though which is fucking dope yeah and it's from the happy death day is producer is producing it and that kind of seems like a good fit i think Um, yeah if, if it was the quality level of happy death day i think it would be fine like happy death day looks like a quality movie yeah i mean it definitely doesn't show its budget and it looked you know, fairly high production values, and that book does have quite a few, like, kind of wood set pieces that I don't think would be that expensive to put together. 
Uh, no, could, and it takes place in, like, Louisiana, right? Right. I, I mean, there's, like, a few sets you need. Like, a big house, a bad house, and a woods with, like, some stuff going on in there. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, all that's relatively cheap. Like, I don't think the sets would be too expensive. But I think this is definitely going to be a movie to follow. Because uh, oh, yeah. we, we both read the book, and I really like it, and I know you like it, it too. It, so. it reads like a movie. Like, it reads it, like it a screenplay. It definitely does. Like, you can sure. see it. You can definitely see this playing out in your head very easily and it's funny it's heartfelt it's it's not complex i wouldn't say it's not like gonna blow your mind but i think it would make a pretty good movie and it would fit right in with it or stranger things you know if it has that vibe uh i feel like it'll probably be a home run yeah i could see it fitting in with those easily where it's kind of the a little bit nostalgic for the 80s and you know you throw in a decent soundtrack on there of like some 80s ballads and yeah. I, I don't know. I think it seems like a pretty easy, like a no-brainer to to make this and adapt it. So I'm happy that it's actually getting a, a film release, and I'm excited to I think to we see. wanted that when we talked about the book. Yeah, yeah. But I'm excited to see kind of where, where it goes from here, what's what's next for this. Yeah, me too. So that's that's actually really cool. That got me... Re- that's what I'm actually excited for on this whole <laughs> list. We've talked about one thing that I really want to see. <laughs> Uh, next up, though, we have another thing that I really want to see, that Candyman reboot. We talked about a while ago, Jordan Peele said he wanted to reboot Candyman, and we all we just had a really good conversation about this in the Discord. It's being called Jordan Peele's Candyman, but it's his his company, Monkey Paw, Paw Productions, is going to be making this remake, and they're going the Halloween route, where it's going to be a sequel that takes place in the modern day, uh, but it's going to take place in the gentrified section of Chicago where Cabrini Green was in the original Candyman. So that just seems like a rich well for storytelling to draw from, I think, personally. Uh, they cast a, they got a director on it. I can't... I don't know who it is. It's, it's a newcoming director, an up-and-comer. But Jordan Peele is uh, producing through his company. And I think I read he's co-writing it or something. Oh, yeah, he is, he's co-writing it. And it's Nia DaCosta who directed Little Woods. She's I think that's a girl. Can we agree? Yeah, uh, Nia. that is a woman. Okay. Dope. She's uh, directing it. And Wynn Rosenfeld and Peel are writing it. And it's coming out on June 20th. No, June 12th, 2020. Sorry, I can't read. Um, <laughs> and it's from MGM, which means it'll probably be under the Orion banner, which, again, is cool. Like... For all the shit we're giving MGM and Orion over uh, Child's Play, I feel like we have to give them equal credit for um, RoboCop. Because that RoboCop thing they're doing sounds awesome. Yeah, that does sound and this, cool. And this sounds awesome. Like, I'm really into this idea. I, I think their budgets are a little bit higher than Blumhouse's are, too, which is nice. Yeah, I And they're, think they they're definitely going for that 80s look and feel. Like, even that Child's Play poster, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, they're, they're picking movies that kind of define the 80s like child's play one is a like quintessential 80s movie i think like i feel like that movie fucked with people a lot like you know normal people are scared of dolls because of chucky oh totally child's play probably created a lot of the modern phobia of killer dolls i mean obviously there was like the older uh things like the talking teen episode of twilight zone and Mm -hmm. other but all of that was inspired by well, no, Twilight Zone was Chucky spot inspired by Twilight Zone that episode. I mean, the I know Talking what that Tina episode. episode is. The Talking Tina episode is a doll comes to life, and yeah. the dad tries to throw out the doll, and then he ends up like being killed by the doll. So this is like, it's cool. And RoboCop, 
quintessential 80s. Like, RoboCop is the 80s, you know? It's like, yeah. they came up with that <laughs> I mean, techno- everything about it is super 80s. I mean, the- they've got that alien-style techno-future shit going on. Yeah, it fits t- right in with Blade future, Runner. Crazy government exper- experiments, like, yeah. <laughs> cyborg police officers, <laughs> acid. I mean, it's, like, uh, so yeah. 80s. Uh, RoboCop is so good. It's just, it's just so good. But uh, Candyman from MGM, they're going to create this, like, universe. You know, it's going to be like The Conjuring, I feel, where they have all of these franchises having life brought back into them. And yeah. hopefully the power that they all draw will be enough <laughs> to bring back Jason and Freddy. Yeah, um, those are definitely two of the big ticket ones you got to bring back. And I think there might even be a little bit of interest in... Uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre series after the latest Joe Bob drive-in, but we all know how bad Leatherface was, so who knows what's going to happen with that. Yeah, Leatherface sucked. <laughs> it's very it's bad movie. So bad. And then they just, like, didn't make it in time. <laughs> like, what? I think about that a lot. Like, that bothers me, that an entire company was able to lose rights to the franchise because they just got the date wrong. <laughs> I mean, they just sent out a bad memo, you know? It's like put, the CEO put it on his calendar on the wrong day. It's deeply strange, George. Deeply strange. But we have uh, at least these two movies to look forward to. Candyman, I'm very excited for. I think it'll be cool. Uh, is this the first movie Peel's been involved in after Get Out? He's making one for Blumhouse right now called Us. Okay. And I think that comes out... I think that's next year. You know how Blumhouse has a couple tentpole movies every year? Like they had Halloween right, they this year. they have like year. The Purge and they have... The Purge. Next year they're <laughs> starting out with Glass. And then I think Us is their next one. Okay. Um, I'm excited for that. I bet that'll be good. He's a good director. Yeah. He is a really good director. So next on here... Friend of the show, Felissa Rose. We're so close with her. We <laughs> talk to her all the time. Uh, there's a f- official Sleepaway Camp documentary called Angela coming, and she's executive producing it. For those of you who don't know, Sleepaway Camp is like one of me and George's favorite movies ever, I think. it's Well, at least it's one of mine. Yeah, I think it's one of yours, I love right? It. It's definitely, it's one of my favorite, not only slasher movies, but it's it's it has a special place in my heart because it's just so unique and such a fascinating movie i I love it i watch it once a year that's like one of those movies that makes me feel like i owe a debt to shutter i never would have seen it without (laughs) shutter it was like they had a whole they had the whole collection on there and it it was one of those movies that cinemasker never really talked about so like i never it was never on my radar and i have no idea how i found it but it was on shutter and then we watched it uh it was pretty good it's a fucking great movie yeah, it is a, a really awesome slasher movie, camp slasher movie with a great twist. Yeah, so the documentary, it's a four-hour film that'll cover the cult's original, Unhappy Campers, Teenage Wasteland, and Return to Sleepaway Camp. And it will include the following goodies. Interviews with Frank Sorrentino, Thomas Vandell, John Dunn, Felissa Rose, Karen Fields, Catherine Kami, Michael A. Simpson, and more. A location tour of the original camp with the cast location tour of unhappy campers and teenage wasteland those are the subtitles of the sequels for people don't, who don't know hours of never before and see never before seen footage from behind the scenes 
It's a really weird sentence. <laughs> a vast collection of never-before-seen photos, unreleased music videos, special audio commentary tracks of the first three films, extended interviews, and much more. There's a lot getting packed into this, and I want to see it. This sounds really good. <laughs> a four-hour documentary seems a little long, but... It could for... be like two two episodes. Right, two. but it seems like they're covering more than just the original movie, which... Yeah, is cool, and I think we did watch the sequels, and the sequels are also both pretty good. Like they're funny. Like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a different actress playing Angela, but who cares? She come Angela. Uh, Angela comes back though in Return. Return yeah. is so mean spirited, but I still <laughs> love it. No, they're they're definitely really fun movies, and it's cool that I, I don't know if she kind of gets like a like you think this would kind of boost her career a bit. I mean, I think Sleepaway Camp's a bit right. of a cult classic. I mean, I know she was brought on the last drive-in with Joe. Did you Bob. see? Uh, did you no? She called in. Did you see yeah. that when she? That yeah, when she's like, <laughs> yeah, uh, on the latest one on the. Yeah. Um, she's Death. like a, a mangled dick expert. Yeah, that's her yeah. like title. Uh, I like her. I don't know. She's no, funny. She she's seems smart. like a really she knows cool. What she's doing. Yeah, she's like a cool celebrity. Um, but I, I, I'm happy that she gets her own four-hour documentary with all this stuff, all the special features to kind of commemorate her and let her know that we do, as fans, cherish uh, the Sleepaway Camp series. So I'm happy to see that this is being made, and I'm I can't believe I'm Fright Rags or Cavity Colors or anyone has never done a Sleepaway Camp Yeah, it seems, definitely seems like a missed opportunity. Maybe if Blake's listening. Hey, if you're <laughs> listening, Loudmouth Threads boy. Yeah, we can get our, our buddy at Loudmouth Threads to, to Please make a something. shirt. From Sleepaway Camp. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> he, the rights he, are just really hard to get. He Well, he made a coupon for my YouTube channel. Uh, a coupon code. And someone was like, can he get sued for like not owning any of these licenses? And I was like, who knows? <laughs> like, I don't know. Maybe he can get in and get cool. out while the getting's good. And we could yeah. get a, a nice Sleepaway Camp merchandise. Like, I don't think Rucking Fountain <laughs> gets licenses, but... He's going to town on everything you ever heard of. That's true. He's like, if I put enough Japanese characters over this picture of a xenomorph, it's definitely fair use. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I, I think he's getting away with it so far, so. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I want to... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to him. I'm going to see if he can make a sleepaway camp. <laughs> see if he can hook us up with something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then we all have to buy it. So, everyone has to commit. If you're listening... You're in this pinky promise now. We're all going to buy a shirt <laughs> from Blake if he makes us a sleepaway camp shirt, okay? It's very important. Yeah, it's very important. It's deeply important to us. Uh, <laughs> so, so, I, there's no word on a release date for this, is there? Um, I don't think so. I can... Eh, whatever. The, the, the real thing we skipped over that you need to know is that the guy behind it is uh, the dude behind Never Sleep Again, Crystal Lake Memories, and the upcoming It documentary. So those are all like really well-regarded horror documentaries. So this this is like a really this is coming from talent. I think it's going to be solid. Um, unlike that scary stories documentary we watched. <laughs> well, and it's, it just is such an interesting source of chill to work with. So it seems yeah. like it, it's kind of a it'll it'll definitely be interesting. Yeah. So next up on here, another exciting story. There's a new glass TV spot that pushes the comic book angle, and it just is like a. It's got some new footage. It kind of shows off some new stuff from Glass. Dude, I'm really excited for Glass. 
yeah, um, it definitely seems like a cool, like, Glass as a character is really interesting, and is, like, a cool villain in Unbreakable. Yeah, definitely. It's just kind of weird that, like, everyone's coming together for this three-movie crossover. It's gotta be at least ten years after the original movie came out. Yeah. It seems, like, weird that now's the time it's all getting together, but... Um, I so think it's going to be like Elijah Gla- Elijah whatever Mr. Glass is going to employ the help of the beast to right. break out of this insane asylum and cause another mass death right and then come after Bruce Willis and he's going to have to save the day yeah Bruce Willis and his poncho yeah his weird poncho <laughs> why is that his costume I hope he gets a new costume I don't yeah know. that would be cool to like Maybe a little more superhero-y. Maybe, like, yeah. some... Something. Yeah, um, so he doesn't have to go by the punch. <laughs> the The only thing that kind of weirds me... Like, makes me nervous about it is that it's releasing in January. And <laughs> typically, movies that are released in January aren't the best. They're the ones that the studio pushes off as long as they can. Right. And they just dump it out at the beginning of the year. But uh, Blumhouse... The last three years has put out a banger in January. They did Get Out was a January movie, Insidious 4 was a January movie, and I think The Visit was also a January movie. So, like, I feel like Blumhouse is just noticing that no one really fills that slot with good movies, and they're just taking over. I mean, that's that's a, a different way to look at it, where they can kind of conquer the market by just having at least a halfway decent movie, and this actually looks pretty good. So... Like, if they have a, a good movie to release in January, it'll dominate at least that month. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm pretty stoked for this. Uh, I would like to see it. Yeah. Sounds cool. Um, trailers look good. I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah. So, uh, that's going to be cool. We have more news to talk about, but we're almost at 50 minutes. So, I, I kind of <laughs> want to get into the the show. The, the, Sun, the Castlevania Season 2 and Joe Bob Briggs. You, you down with that? Yeah, I think I think we should skip to that. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with uh, our talk about Season 2 of Castlevania and Joe Bob Briggs' Dinners of Death. back from a quick break and this week we really wanted to talk about joe bob briggs dinner of death and so this we didn't really know what this was going to be because the details on it were kind of like not there they were just like hey we're doing a christmas special and a thanksgiving special but basically what it was was a four movie version of the last drive-in with a different set that looked better than the original and yeah, this one you could actually watch bit, live yeah that sets a little bit more uh a it's little more like closer the to the original set, set. Yeah. Where it's, like, him next to the RV and everything. Uh, yeah. With, like, the fold-out lawn chair and stuff. So, I, I don't know. The set looks really good, actually. Like, I can see them continuing to use this for the, like, unannounced Joe Bob series that's going to be going on throughout 2019. Right. And I want to know what that is. Yeah. 
But this was actually really cool. I wasn't, like you said, uh, we weren't really sure what we were going to get out of this. Mm -hmm. Um, Instead of it being dawn to dusk to dawn, it was just dusk to dawn. So it was overnight, started at like 9 p.m. Eastern time, 6 on on your side of the world. Yeah. And over here in uh, Japan. Yeah, over here in Japan, land of the rising sun. That's where I live. (laughs) And um, it just kind of went. There's four movies with commentary, and it went from, you know, kind of a little bit later in the evening to the morning. So I, I don't know. I like the format, and they always they uploaded it the next day to Shutter. So if you missed it, you can uh, still log in and see it. But I'm right. sure we're not the first people telling you about this, and you probably have already seen all of them. Yeah, because you have a brain. Right. <laughs> so the four movies he did were The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Original Hills Have Eyes, which was directed by Wes Craven. I did not know that. Uh, Dead or Alive by Takeshi, Takashi Miike. And uh, Blood Rage, which is a Thanksgiving movie that people really like. Um, and apparently, allegedly, so like, he wrote a book called Profoundly Disturbing, Shocking Movies That Change History. A lot of what he said about Texas Chainsaw Massacre was just straight out of his book, which I feel like is fine because it's like, you know, because <laughs> it's his opinion. opinion on the movie. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, it's I'm glad not it really doesn't change. change. Yeah. Yeah. So getting to hear him talk about Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like hear it from the horse's mouth, was really cool, honestly. Um, My favorite part of that was that he said he wrote like a 20-page article about it for (laughs) some horror magazine. And he's like, but they have it under a paywall, so if you want it, just email me and I'll send you the article. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's like really not into that whole like paywall shit. Yeah, he's like, I don't get why they hide that one, so just talk to me directly and I'll send you the article I wrote. (laughs) Yeah, that was awesome. I love that. Just getting to hear him talk about that. People kind of look at him as like sort of a meme, I think. Like I remember when Last Drive-In was happening, before it came out, specifically like Birth Movies Death, you know like those more elevated film sites were like, Joe Bob's coming back. Like, look what Shutter's doing. Like, right. I guess we should write about this. Like, it's but kind now of a they're, publicity they're, stunt, or like yeah. he just kind of trying to write them off. Yeah, now they're not. You know, like he 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 made them eat crow a little bit. Now they're giving him some respect he deserves uh, with their articles. And I like that. Appreciate that a lot. Uh, the Hills Have Eyes. He agreed. Uh, the most interesting thing from that, I thought, was that he agreed that the remake is better. Yeah. When people were writing that in, which I think is cool because, I mean, it'd be easy to get caught up in the fact that Wes Craven directed it and that's cool and all, but I really do think that the remake from 2006 is better than, uh, you know, The Hills of Eyes from 1977. It's it's definitely a little rough. It's got, I don't know if it's Craven's first movie or it's definitely one of his first. It's like a very, very early Craven project. And, you know, directors don't always hit out of the park on their first movie. Okay. Sometimes it takes so a while. So his first to... movie was uh, Last House on the Left. Okay. And this was his second movie. I kind of like the original Last House on the on the Left. Yeah, I like that part with the chainsaw. I still think <laughs> about it a lot. <laughs> like, I just think about that sometimes. I'm like, it's pretty fucked up. <laughs> but I think one thing that should be commended is I was racking my brain trying to figure out movies that would fit the theme of like the thanksgiving holiday <laughs> and yeah i couldn't we both really were. think of many and they were able to pull out four that fit and and all you know had a lot of things to talk about good commentary from joe bob and and we're really able to fill the time slot 
better than I would have been able to do if you asked me to name four Thanksgiving horror movies. Yeah, it just kind of ends as well. Yeah. It's just weird. He talked about that a lot. He was just like, it ends. just ends. People (laughs) were pissed about that. Apparently it's because uh, it was going to get an X rating, so they had to, like, chop the movie up, and that's why it does not have an ending. So yeah. you learn something. And it had no dinner in it. So it's like, it I mean, it's like about can- cannibalism. People, yeah. Cannibalism. Like that. Eating. It's like eating's kind of a theme, I guess. That's how they put yeah. it in. Why not? And then the third movie is just terrible. It's called <laughs> Dead or Alive. It's by Takeshi, Takashi Mike. I keep saying, reading it wrong. Uh, it's, this is the fucking most insane movie I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will be honest i started this and then i was like yeah no we're not doing this and i would just like turn down the volume on it on my ipad uh <laughs> and then i would turn it back up when joe bob came back on which is not too dissimilar to how i would watch something like this on cable like i would tune into monster vision just to see the joe bob bit, bits whether i like the movie or not did you watch any of this movie dude i caught like a little bit of it and i i kind of just skipped to blood rage it's insane i, I wasn't too into it and i just um <laughs> I had a bit of a busy weekend. I was out of town, so I didn't really. I was like, <laughs> might as well save time. I know this one's not going to be great. There's a huge body count in it. Did you see the last frame of this movie? No, I did not. The main antagonist uh, gets so angry that he cause he like is a nuclear bomb and he explodes. <laughs> Sounds and a the, lot the like world, the Earth o. blows up. Yeah, the Earth blows up. That's the last <laughs> frame of this movie. <laughs> He went on a rant in the middle of it about, <laughs> like, kombucha. Oh yeah, yeah. And what do they what do they call that? It's like they're called like um, microbiomes or something. Were they like the little fermented? Yeah. yeah, he was he was not happy about those. It was no. pretty funny. No, he was very upset. It was like a ten minute rant about those, and. Uh, I like that. That was cool. It was good to see him talk about this movie. He went off about how Japanese people, they say they're inspired by American horror movies, but then he's like, which ones? Like, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> so that was pretty funny. I like that. Um, I, I mean, the whole thing about Joe Bob is he's just, he's a great voice for the community because he has like an encyclopedic knowledge of movies, actors, I mean, dating back to basically the origins of horror, like, <laughs> I mean, he just has such a vast knowledge of all these movies and what's going on, and just to hear him talk about it is, is fun, because he goes on, like, you know, weird tangents, and he's kind of a, like an old coot, and he's just <laughs> he's just so fun to listen to. Yeah, and I, I, I came around on Kinky Horror, his sidekick. Oh, Darcy the Male Girl? Yeah. I, I was like, uh, I, don't know, I don't get this. But then I was like, uh, she's cool. She's funny. She gives them shit. Yeah, they, they have a good rapport. She fits into the like Joe Bob universe well. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then the fourth movie he showed was Blood Rage, which is... <laughs> the movie's fucking nuts, dude. Yeah, another like, really crazy one. <laughs> there's a lot of just like, just out of nowhere dismemberment. Like, did you, that shot where the <laughs> yeah. kid comes in and chops the dad's hand off while he's right. drinking the beer? <laughs> like, it's like when they the just kids wanted to have the- <laughs> a bunch of effects in the movie, and they didn't yeah. know how to really, like, tie it all together, so they just had yeah. a bunch of these scenes and just kind of mushed it all in. It wasn't a bad movie, but it was just, 
It was very strange. <laughs> it was fun to watch uh, Joe Bob talk about. Yeah, for sure. That's, like, definitely very much in the spirit of what you go to see in a drive-in. Yeah, and that worked well to, like, be a movie that you watched with a community of people who were all just having fun. Right. Talking about it. You don't really have to think about how some of these movies are, you know, from their time. You can just have fun, hear Joe Bob talk about it, give you a new perspective, really teach you something new about something you really would have never gone out of your way to look into. And, yeah. and I, think, I just think Shudder's cool for bringing him back. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely a cool series, and I'm, I'm excited to see what comes uh, in the future. I, I think this, Diners of Death, is worth it alone just to watch the Texas Chainsaw Massacre one, just because it's Joe Bob's favorite movie ever. So to hear someone who has such an encyclopedic knowledge talk about their favorite movie in the genre is just cool. Yeah, and another fun fact that I learned from The Hills Have Eyes is that a lot of the bones and shit are, like, from the Texas Chainsaw set. Oh, really? Or what was that? No, I just made that up. There's some (laughs) other movie. It was the... The Hills Have... I think it was The Hills Have Eyes remake. A lot of the set decorations were from the Texas Chainsaw remake. I could see that. It's... Those seem like they were probably done by the same studio. Yeah, I think that's what it was. But I was like, "That's interesting. I like that fact." <laughs> yeah, and I think, cool. I, but you'll have to find out uh, by watching Joe Bob Briggs' Dinners of Death to figure out if I'm wrong or right. It, it's a lot of content, but it's definitely worth it if you got some hours to kill. Yeah, I'm glad that it's just straight up Monster Vision, and I hope yeah. that in 2019 it's just like a weekly or monthly thing, like where they just pick a, one movie and then you can just watch it as a show. They don't need to continually make an event out of it. I think that'd be awesome if you just had, like, a Joe Bob curate section where he picks, like, one movie out of the Shutter catalog and just talks about it a month. I'm, yeah. I'd be really excited to watch that every month. I'd love for it to get to the point where uh, they're adding movies based on him wanting it to be on there. Yeah, I know in... Maybe it was the last drive-in he talked about... Or, no, it was in the interview with uh, James Rolfe where... He said that TNT basically had a huge book of all the movies that they had the rights to, and he would point at them and be like, I want this one. And they're like, no, you can't do that one. Yeah. So it'd be cool to see him have a little more freedom with Shudder and be like, I want this one. And they're like, okay, we'll see if we can get that one. Yeah, that, that would be awesome. I want to know what the show is going to be. I'm excited for the Christmas one now, though, because I think that means we'll get to actually like watch it together, which is cool. Yeah. So we can um, talk about that when it comes out probably see some black christmas on there and yeah probably um what's that other one with the garbage day oh silent night silent Deadly night, Deadly Deadly night yeah <laughs> it's the sequel the sequel but hopefully we get at least one of those either the first or the second garbage day garbage day <laughs> i love that i just like say it now sometimes and <laughs> no boy, one understands I, it <laughs> no i know uh, my assistant editor josh he gets it he's got to put up with me so i had to show him but uh i'm excited for that so the next thing we're going to talk about here is castlevania season two i've been getting on you to watch this because it's so fucking good yeah it's just again castlevania the netflix show they just split up a movie basically but this one is definitely more of a show it's eight episodes as opposed to four and i think the thing that works about it is that it makes you feel bad for dracula 
Like, yeah, you you see where he's coming from because the basic plot is that he's upset because his human wife was murdered because the she's like a church. doctor. Right, because they thought that she was practicing witchcraft, so they burned her at the stake. And so Dracula, in retaliation for the humankind killing his wife, the only person, the only human he ever loved, he decides, well, humans aren't worth it, and he wants to wipe the earth of all humans. Which, like, I get it. (laughs) Like, you definitely (laughs) see where he's coming from. Like, maybe you, you can't empathize with his actions, but you understand the logic of how he's thinking. Right, so this season kind of focuses on he's got his war going on against the humans, and then uh, Trevor, Alucard, and what the fuck is her name? Uh, Cypher. Cypher. Is it Cypher or Cypher? Cypher. Woman who does magic. Magic girl. I think it's, like, pronounced Cypher. Okay, so Saifa, Alucard, and Trevor, they're on this, like, mission. The problem with uh, Castlevania, which is Dracula's castle, is that it just is constantly moving around. He can teleport it, so they are trying to figure out, they're going back to the Belmont estate, trying to figure out where this castle is going to show up. They're trying to be able to, like, anticipate it so they can get in there and kill Dracula. And while that's going on, Dracula is on his war against the humans, but there's also some infighting going on between the vampires who are his generals and a new one who comes in and kind of throws a wrench in everything. One element of this season I thought was cool is the two... There's two humans on Dracula's, like, council. There's two war generals, and they both have, like, an ability to create, uh, like, an army of the undead where they can bring... right like skeletons or like de- decomposing bodies back to life and kind of make an army for Dracula and I thought their like struggle and their difference in like thought process and maturity was kind of interesting and they were cool characters I agree um, and the animation again is really good it makes you like er- it kind of builds up to the action scenes those all happen towards the end of the show but the plot is written so well that I didn't really mind it and I thought it was really cool that they saved the Castlevania like iconic music until the whole team was working together against Dracula's forces inside Castlevania so it's like the game it's like once right. you're in Castlevania that's when the the shit really goes ham right and and they did a cool um thing with like combining the the two the Belmont and the Dracula estate mm-hmm. in, in an interesting way that I thought worked well worked well with the plot I think it's very well written the action scenes are awesome like s- episode 7 uh, has like a huge confrontation and it's just a amazing visual <laughs> Alucard is really cool you don't really get to see him do too much until that episode but mm-hmm. uh, Victor definitely has a lot to do, like <laughs> a lot of whipping, a lot of uh, cool scenes with him. Yeah, dude. And once once Alucard does start fighting, it's awesome. Yeah. He has like a sword that follows him around and just like fights on its own. <laughs> I thought that was wolf. cool. Yeah. That's in a bat. Yeah. Straight out of the sweet. game. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. So um, I'm excited it got renewed for a third season because they're definitely building up towards Symphony of the Night, which is what I want to see. Uh, it, it's left open, but it does have some closure. And I'd like to know who the villain's going to be going forward. Because uh, they can't just keep going out with Dracula forever, you know? Yeah, uh, I think the way it's 
ends, there's a few. There's like at least one way they can go. Mm-hmm. Um, not to spoil anything, but there's definitely an antagonist that could at least there's at least two antagonists that could create some issues uh, in the right. future. So it's like kind of a struggle. Which way do you want to go, or uh, you know, basically what's going to happen from this point? So like we do, like you said, we get some closure. We see how some of the characters could walk away and we could see how they would also come back and uh, right. and fight if need be so I thought it was well written it was wrapped up nicely uh, the animation was great when we actually do get that Castlevania music it's awesome uh, and even the like normal orchestral background stuff was good I didn't really like notice it but I thought yeah. that it, it fit like the scenes it was in <laughs> so uh, one of the news stories we skipped the people behind the show, uh, I think his name is like Adi Shankar or something. He's been teasing that he's doing another big Japanese game franchise, like an iconic one next. And everyone was like, it's going to be Zelda. It's going to be Zelda. <laughs> and then he was like, oh, it's Devil May Cry. And like, I feel like the fact that people just ran with some rumor that it was going to be Zelda kind of took the wind out of Devil May Cry's sales. But if it's matching <laughs> the aesthetic of Devil May Cry 5, I think it's going to be fucking cool. Because that game has a really awesome aesthetic so far. From the trailers and stuff. Yeah, and I don't know if I'm the only person who ever saw it, but Devil May Cry did have an anime that came out in, like, it must have been, like, 2012 or something, or maybe earlier. And it was actually a pretty cool series. I mean, Dante's a sweet character. Like, you can do a lot with Dante. He's more than just, like, arcade-style brawler game character he's got some depth and there's some yeah. cool things you can do with him and they're still sticking with nero so then they have you know like multiple plots that can intertwine yeah nero's got that sweet arm and you can see how that could be implemented in some awesome fight scenes or like problem solving situations it, yeah it, it seems like there's it fits one really character well with castlevania what's the the one character in devil may cry it's like a dog and he's a huge nutsack. <laughs> ah, I got him. <laughs> so, overall, in summation, Castlevania is sick. If you haven't watched the show, dedicate the, like, four hours to it that you need. It's like a, it's like a long movie at this point. Yeah. So, I think it's really good. I'd give it a... I, if it was on Letterboxd, which it should be, I'd give Castlevania Season 2 a 4.5 out of 5. Yeah, I'd also... I'd give it at least a four. Yeah. Uh, I told one of your friends that I've never met that he was wrong for uh, not wanting... <laughs> the. He wanted more music in the show, and I was yeah. like, damn, if the perfect, flawless animation, great characterization, and awesome <laughs> writing aren't enough for you, there's always Spotify. <laughs> I felt pretty good about that. Because <laughs> it's like, you know, like... Right, like it's the music show. isn't everything. I, I get if you're like a longtime fan, you want to hear some of that, but I think yeah. saving it and using it where they did is better than kind of blowing their load and playing it throughout the whole series. Right. Exactly. It, like it fit. It worked out really well. It's right. like you notice because if you're supposed to watch it all in sequential order because it's like a movie, and then you get to that point, you're like, oh shit, there's there hasn't been much like Castlevania music in really the entire show, and then. Trevor Belmont's like fucking whipping around the Morning Star, <laughs> fighting alongside Alucard and Sifa. You're like, 
that's when you use it. Like, they right. use it at the right point. It's like the opposite of Rob Zombie's <laughs> Halloween, where he's like, Where he right. uses love hurts just, inappropriately all the and time. And the Halloween theme. He's and just the like, Halloween put it theme. here. <laughs> so, you know, that's cool. But um, that's all I got on Castlevania. That was a big, meaty episode. Yeah. There's some movie coming out. It's called, like, uh, The Possession of Hannah Grace. Have you seen ads for this? No. Isn't Hannah Grace the character in... Um, 13 Reasons Why? Yes. Uh, that's what I thought. <laughs> so, I don't know. This movie comes out November 29th. And remember that movie... Um, friend Request? Where it was like they were purposely not marketing it even though it was a wide release title? Was that the one that was like the Facebook killer where the girl yeah. kills herself and then yeah. the girl gets haunted through her Facebook through there's like that hacking scene where the guy is yeah, like yeah, I've yeah, never yeah. seen code like this and it's like yeah. the devil's so, like yeah. code <laughs> this movie's from the same people it's from Screen Gems and it comes out on November 30th so this Friday I think we should go see it for oh, next boy. week's show <laughs> well I'll, I'll go see it if you will we don't have anything else to talk about yeah, I mean, because like Anna and the Apocalypse comes out this weekend as well. But right, but we already, we already talked about that. We already talked and, about uh, that. Cam came out recently on Netflix. I, yeah, I just did a video on that. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just saying we talked about it in a, in a few episodes ago in our Telluride episode. I don't want to talk about Cam. <laughs> I when I was making the video on it though, I realized that movie is good. I just realized like they just were going for something different than they should have. Like the the ending. They went with in favor of explaining what was going on, which they could have easily done with a very, like, real thing. Mm -hmm. They decided to drive their point home more of, like, that Alice is the, she's the creative fountain. And her problem was she let the character of Lola, and she, she let the line between Lola and Alice blur. So they became the same person. And, like, being Alice became, like, her job, and she was Lola. So then... They wanted the, like, payoff to be that it doesn't matter what her persona is. As long as she keeps her identity as Alice, she can continually make more personas as time goes on, right? Because, like, she's the one coming up with all the ideas. But I still think that's fucking dumb that they didn't explain that it was clearly a deep fake. And so it's like there's a company making deep fakes of the people who can are, like, mastering the algorithm on these streaming sites. They're like, this person is rising up the ranks quick. Let's start logging all of their streaming and create a deep fake of them because deep fakes don't get sick. They don't take days off. They don't mm-hmm. age. And then if people start to get wise or get bored of her, they can just do it to another person. Right. And then the they just keep making money. And they keep the money. So, <laughs> And that even could have been explained away in like a five minute scene. Like it doesn't yeah. really need to be like a huge. You don't even need to end the movie on that. You could just explain what happened and then end it the way right, that you want right, it to. Right, 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 right. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> the movie's already almost two hours. Just add in five more minutes. Like, right. come on. Yeah. I think it would have been a lot better. Honestly, I think it would have. I think that would have made me like. It, it would have definitely made it a lot cleaner. It would have <sighs> cleaned up some of the mess. But I do think that the fact that it was made by a former cam girl, there's perspective in this movie that you just don't, you wouldn't get from a normal person. Yeah. And it's very non-judgmental. Like the way that the subject matter was handled was like very mature and like respectable. And I think the only way that you would get that is if 
someone who was in the industry was part of the creative process on it. Yeah, so it's just it's one of those movies where I the first time I saw it, I didn't like it. I watched it again when it came out on Netflix. I still I didn't like it for the same reasons, but I kept thinking about it. So that made me think it might be a good movie, despite the fact I don't like it. And then I kind of thought about it more critically, and mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, you know what? It is a good movie. I just don't. It's just not for me. Yeah, and that, that that's how sometimes. I came down on it. Yeah. And I feel like that's reasonable. Yeah. So I guess we're gonna watch the uh, the new Screen Gems movie for next week. So look forward <laughs> the to that. Possession of Hannah Baker. Possession of Hannah Baker. Just kidding. It's Hannah Grace. She has two <laughs> first names. Bye. Okay.